0: It's uh, great to be with you all this morning. Uh, my name is Dave Hine for you that don't know me and Bob asked me to uh, fill in for him today. So it's, a, it's really an honor and it's a privilege to be able to share a little bit today. Um, we're going to continue with our series of Jesus in Genesis, okay? And we're going to look at chapter 39 in Genesis. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's page 37 in your pew Bible or Look it up on your Bible app, on your phone, or whatever you need to do. But we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 39. And I, I want to set this up a little bit, kind of recap where we've been. Um, if you were here last week, Bob was talking about Joseph. Um, Joseph was the son of Jacob. And he was the, Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob. Um, Joseph had, or Jacob had different wives and other kids, other sons, but, but um, his favorite wife was Rachel, and Joseph was the son of he and Rachel, and so Joseph was kind of this chosen child, I guess you could say, kind of the golden child, and um, so he even had this, you know, kind of fancy robe, you've probably heard, you know, Joseph in his technicolor dream coat, whatever, his fancy coat, he had that, so the problem with Joseph was he was um, pr- kind of a young man, 17-ish, and he was he was arrogant, and he was kind of cocky, and um, he wasn't very mature because he kind of just, you know, um, he, he kind of lorded it over his brothers that he kind of had this favor uh, amongst his father. So this obviously causes a rift with his brothers, and Joseph was also a dreamer. Joseph had these dreams, pretty elaborate dreams, and um where he had these dreams that his brothers would be bowing down to him. And um, this is where, you know, you're just like, what are you doing? He actually goes and shares his dream with his brother. Like, hey, I had this dream where you guys are going to be bowing down to me. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, again, kind of lack of maturity there on what to share with people. And even his own family he had these dreams of his own family would be bowing down to him. And so his brothers hated him. I mean, like, literally, like they hated him. Um. And so they plot to kill him. They throw him in this well. They're like, we're, we're going to just throw him in this well and leave him here. Um, but then they saw these Ishmaelites, these, these, these guys from a foreign country, came along. and They're like, well, I guess we could make some money off the deal. So they sell him into slavery. Um, they sell him into slavery. He ends up at a house, uh, Potiphar's house. Potiphar was the head of the Egyptian army. Okay, And that's kind of where we pick all of this up in chapter 39 of Genesis. And we're going to read in there. Um, It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. We'll stop there for a second. Somewhere along the line, there's this pretty large transformation in Joseph's life, right? Because we see Joseph working through him. Somehow he came from this, he went from this arrogant kind of young man Um, to all of a sudden we see God working through him. And I believe this. It's really hard for God to work through us when we're arrogant and we're pretentious and we're cocky. It's really hard for God to be moving in and through us when we're in that state. Um, And so God can humble us and then work through us. And that's obviously what happened. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that's not said here. We don't really know what happened in this transformation. But we know uh, when someone's heart has been transformed because we see the fruit of that, right? We see the way they act is different. The things they say are different. And the way they handle situations are different, right? And we see, obviously, this is happening with Joseph. And Potiphar, an Egyptian who was in charge of the Egyptian army, I mean, Joseph finds himself in a place with a lot of authority. And he has a lot of clout, okay? All of a sudden, Joseph is in this place. He's gaining favor with Potiphar because... Potiphar sees God working in him and through him. He's like, man, and he just keeps giving Joseph more and more responsibility. In fact, the last verse that we read said, basically, Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except what he ate because Joseph was in charge. So somewhere along here, there's this amazing transformation with Joseph. And we see Jesus and Joseph. There's a lot of parallels here already okay, in their life. Jesus was sold out for some coins, right? Judas sold Jesus out. We see Joseph being sold out. Um, we see, um, you know, Jacob was old and kind of a, kind of a miracle birth with Joseph. We see, you know, Jesus had this miracle birth. Um, we see all these different things, these parallels that are starting to happen between Joseph and Jesus. And in fact, Joseph kind of goes from this spoiled brat to he's, all of a sudden, he's the Christ figure in this story as we see this thing continue to unfold. Um, well, we'll continue on with the story here. Um, we will look in, I guess it's, yeah, verse, continue on in verse 6. Um, said that, that Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, here's where it starts to get a little crazy, all right? Here's where things get a little nutty. Um, it says, now Joseph was well built and handsome. And we'll just stop there for a second. It's like, why is he saying this? Joseph was well-built and handsome. It's like, dun-dun-dun-dun. It's like, what's going to happen next? I'm a visual person. Sometimes I need visual aids, you know. And I thought maybe you would too. So I don't know what you think of when you think of a young man who's well-built and handsome. I have a picture of just kind of what I think of. (laughs) Rob Willoughby just comes to my mind. And so... I just thought I'd give you a little visual aid of a well-built and handsome young man. I thought I'd put that up there. You can take that down. I don't want to distract everybody through the rest of the service. Especially Rob working with power tools. I mean, man. Um, So it said, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of him. Come to bed with me. So, all of a sudden, Joseph faces this temptation, okay? Um, and really, there's no great translation for what she says, but she's basically saying, hey, I want to have sex with you, you know? Um, I want to go to bed with you. And I love the way Joseph handles this. He basically puts an end to it directly. But again, here's another parallel between Joseph and Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus tempted by Satan, okay, and in three different times. um, He comes to him in the desert with three different temptations. So we see Jesus being tempted. Now we see, you know, here's Joseph being tempted. And um, I really like this verse. It's in Hebrews. You don't have to flip there. I actually have a slide for that. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 is where it starts. And the The author of Hebrews is making a case for Christ, okay, to the readers. He's making a case for Christ. And it says this For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Okay? He's making a case for Christ. and He says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, yet was, yet was without sin. Why is that important? I mean, I, yeah, just ask that question. Would love some feedback. Why is that important that, that we have a God, we have a Savior who can empathize with us? Who was also tempted? Um, why? What does what, what does that matter? The person that's kind of making a case for Christ. Why do you think they put that in there? Why? Why do we think that's important? Yeah. Because it puts us in parallel with everything that we face. Yeah. He that. Yeah, he understands that. He can empathize with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. We hate receiving advice from people that haven't been through the things that we've been through before, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, we're just human nature, yeah. I think that the thing I take away from that is that no matter how often we fall short, we have somebody who shows us mercy because they understand the extent of which we we've been tested. Yeah. Great. He understands the depths that we've been tested, so he he shows us mercy. Yeah. Great. Anything else? Why that matters to us or to you? Yeah, Aaron. Great, thank you. Yeah, all that is so good. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I was thinking along those same lines too, just why that is so important, that case for Christ that he makes. And he says, hey, he's, he, he has been tempted too. And now we can go to the throne boldly. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so we see this parallel of the temptation of Joseph with the temptation of Jesus. And I wanna look at this idea of temptation and I wanna look at, at three different things, Okay. One is the temptation for for being corrupted by power, the temptation of power. Um, One is the sexual temptation, which is pretty overt here. You know, we see that. It's kind of obvious. Um, But then the third temptation um, is, I think, the temptation to despair or lose heart. Um, I think those are three temptations that I I kind of want to focus on, the temptation part um, of this passage. So, the temptation for power to corrupt... When we look at Potiphar's wife here, you know, she's in a place of prominence. Potiphar is a very important person, okay? And, you know, she's been, the habits of her heart have been corrupted by power. We see that. Because she's pretty arrogant. I mean, to make this pass at Joseph, in her husband's house, with everything that she has. I mean, she, power and her position of power have corrupted her. And we see that here. Joseph is in a place of power too. I mean, man, Potiphar's put him in charge of everything. He is using his power to bless others. Um, And we kind of see that in verse 5. He is using his power to bless others. From the time Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. (laughs) So Joseph using his power to bless um, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, she has this power and position and she it's it's corrupted her heart. Um, so I just think that's a real temptation for all of us. And sometimes when we think of power, I mean, really, this it's a word for all of us. Because I think sometimes when we think of power, we think of, you know, maybe a politician or somebody really wealthy or a CEO of a large corporation, we think, I mean, really, it, we all probably at some, in some form or another have a position maybe where we're influencing others, where other people report to us. Um, whatever that might be, if you're kind of in any kind of a position of power, instead of using that for our gain, for our wealth, for our advantage to manipulate it, um, th- that power has a real tendency to corrupt. And so that's a real temptation that Joseph faced, but didn't. He used it to bless Um, Now comes kind of the hard part. The sexual temptation piece. Um, You know, the way Joseph handles this is great because he puts an end to it immediately. And we see Jesus do the same thing when he's tempted in Matthew chapter 4. He's pretty, you know, Jesus is just direct. (laughs) He's not worried about hurting Satan's feelings. (laughs) He's not... You know, it's not a popularity contest. You know, he immediately says no to Satan, and he quotes Scripture doing it. And he says, at the end, he's like, you know, I need you to get out of here. Get out of here, Satan. Same thing with Joseph. He's pretty direct, okay? And he just basically says, hey, you know, I'm not going to do this. Potiphar has put me in control of all this. And I wouldn't do that to him. That, that's kind of his first, the first way that he rebukes this temptation. And um, I think that's important too, because I guess if you ever find yourself in kind of a tempting place like that, you know, it's not a time of flattery. <laughs> it's not a time to say, well, gosh, it's, you know, it's, you're an attractive person. That's nice of you to think of me in that way. And I don't think maybe this is a good idea. And yeah, I kind of sense this connection too. You know, there's not time for any of that. <laughs> this is a time to say, no, this is not going to happen. Um, and so we see Joseph, um, Joseph doing that. Um, and so I think it's great that, that I guess the first way that he rebukes this temptation is just like kind of a, it's a moral code that he has. This, hey, this is a line I'm not going to cross. And I think that's awesome to be resolute. To have self control and to have a moral code. Hey, this isn't happening. I'm not going there. And that's awesome. But that's not the only reason he does it. If you would look at Genesis, I guess it is um, uh, verse 9, the second part of verse 9. It's not just Joseph doesn't want to be a dirt bag to Potiphar. That's part of it. He says this, "How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God?" <laughs> Did you catch that? "How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God?" Because I believe that somewhere in Joseph's transformation there's been a reordering of his heart and his first love is now God. Okay? And that's the most important thing in his life. That's the thing that he holds most dear is his relationship with God. Somewhere in that transformation. And I believe this, guys. I, I believe this. And I found this in my own life. Anytime we're trying to get our main love source met by anyone but God, we are subject to sexual temptation. Okay? And here's what I mean by that. We all, whether we want to admit it or not, have a deep desire to be loved and adored and cherished and really known and pursued. And maybe you're a self-aware person and you know that about yourself, but if you don't know that about yourself, you're probably not being honest because we all have that desire. We all have a deep desire to be loved and adored and pursued, and really known. And if we're trying to find the main source of that from anybody but God, then we're in trouble. Because guys, think about it. I mean, think about the way God loves us. I mean, this is the, this is the greatest love story ever told. This is God's pursuit of us in our heart. I mean, that's what the Bible is. That is God's pursuit of us. He loves us So much, he sent his son down to die on the cross so that we could know him. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's the greatest love story ever. And that's how much God loves us. And if we don't get that and live in that, um, then we're susceptible to any temptation. And here, it's obviously kind of this adulterous thing for Potiphar's wife. But I think really any sexual temptation. If you want to look at the, the temptation to look at pornography, uh, the, temp- you know, the temptation to have an affair, extramarital affair, any of any of those things are a temptation um, that we are subject to if we're not finding that main love source in God. Okay, and I just got to say those things are all destruct. Those are so dis- destructive. You know, they're so damaging. Um, and I know this might be hard to hear for for folks. Um, you know. It's, when I was kind of looking at the subject matter, I'm like, ugh, probably need to deal with this. Um, it's hard to say. Maybe all of us have slipped in one form or another in this area. Um, but I, I just, I believe that, that, that God is the one that we, where we have to get that main love source. So if you're a young person, we have a lot of young folks here, high school and college age kids, and you might be thinking, you know what? I'm going to get married and then it's going to be all good. I'll never struggle with that temptation again in my life, and I want to tell you that that's not true. <laughs> because here's the thing: if, if you're putting all that on your spouse, like, "Oh, great, I married you. Congratulations. You get to meet all of my love needs. <laughs> and they can't do that. Nobody can. OK? Nobody can. They can be a great, um, they can be a great, obviously great, wonderful person in your life, your spouse. And um, they can be a total blessing in your life. And they can have moments even of meeting a lot of those needs. They can have moments of doing that. But to do that for the next 50 years, (laughs) in a way, you know, we have this um, unbelievable appetite to be loved and adored and everything. Nobody can do that, okay? Nobody can do that. Um, And so we have to be getting that met by God. Um, If we really want to... Um, do or you know try to not be tempted sexually so he's got a moral code I think which is awesome and he's resolute hey this isn't happening but somewhere along the line there's been a reordering of his heart um, and and Jesus is now uh, the main love source for him so um, the last temptation I want to look at is uh, the temptation well I yeah, I guess the temptation for, um, for despair, okay? And I want to continue to read on uh, in verse 13. Because <laughs> it gets, you know, you think about Joseph's journey here. It's a painful journey. I mean, his brother sold him out, threw him in a well. Then they sold him. Then he was in, now he's in Potiphar. I mean, like he's in a foreign land, but God is working through him. Things are going well. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Potiphar's wife. Verse 13. When she saw that he had left... Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 11. Verse 11. My bad. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them. This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. Then Potiphar comes home and she still has his cloak. And she says to Potiphar, look what happened. This Hebrew that you sent me was trying to sleep with me, but I screamed and he ran out, but I kept his cloak it says, Potiphar burned with anger and threw him in jail. <laughs> so it's gone from bad to worse, right? It's gone from bad to worse for him. Um, and at this point, I know if this is me in the story, there's a lot of complaining going on. <laughs> I'm in despair. I've got a victim mentality at this point. I'm yelling and screaming, and I'm pretty upset. If I was in that jail cell, I'd be like, you guys aren't going to believe what happened. Man, I got, my brother sold me into slavery, and I was doing really well. Things were going well. I was actually trying to follow God. And then this crazy lady comes in, and she like sets me up. I get falsely accused, and I get thrown in here. This is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Seriously right now? And that's what I would be saying. I'd be like... Why? Why do I even try? Why am I trying to follow God? I mean, I was trying to do stuff right. I thought I was following God, and now I'm end up here. This is ridiculous. That's if I was in the story. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not in the story. <laughs> Luckily, it's uh, the Jesus character. It's Joseph. It says, but while. Um, If you want to look at verse, um, I guess it's 19 or 20, it said, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And here's kind of where my mind gets blown. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. And I know Joseph's brothers, Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph because he had the coat and he had all this favor and everything. I'm jealous of Joseph because of the way he handles all this adversity. You know, I'm looking at this going, man, to be able to let God's story play out like this, that is amazing. That is so awesome. Um, But there's a real temptation for us to despair when things aren't going well. There's a real temptation for us to get a victim mentality. There's a real temptation for us to say, why me? And there's a real temptation to lose heart. And this third temptation that I'm talking about might be the hardest one of all. Because I would guess to say that there's, some pro- there's probably some people in this room today that are hurting pretty bad. There's probably some people here today that have been through some really hard things and some really painful things in life, and maybe even recently. And I want to say I'm sorry about that. I really am. That's, that's awful. Um, there's probably some people here that are, you're, you're dying inside maybe this morning. And it might be kind of hard to, to hear this, and, and I, I get that. And I think sometimes we just need to take a second and just acknowledge that, that there's probably some people in here today that are really hurting. And you think about Joseph, I mean, betrayed by his family. And then he goes to this place, and I'm sure he had an affinity for Potiphar and his family, Right? And then he gets wrongly accused and Potiphar's so angry with him and throws him in jail. I mean, he's got to be a part of Joseph. Man, he's hurting, you know, he's hurting. I want you to know that God meets us in the midst of that pain. And that might be hard for you to hear this morning, but I believe it's true. That God is with us in the midst of that pain and that temptation to be a victim and to become bitter and to become angry. And it's a real temptation. Because when we're hurt, man, oof. We can be not the best people. And that's where Joseph finds himself. But instead, he continues to lean into God. And God continues to bless him. Um so if you're in a rough place and you're like, man, I'm having a hard time responding like Joseph. Talk to someone, grab someone that's a little further on in life and further on in faith than you and say, hey, can you help me get through this really rough stretch that I'm going through? And it might take a long time and that's all right um, because what we really want is kind of this wholeness that we see with, with Joseph and see God working through him. Um, so those are the three temptations I want to take a look at today, um, power, that that power can corrupt us, sexual temptation, and then that temptation to despair and how how Joseph doesn't go there. He doesn't handle it that way. Um, Because, you know, at the end of the day, if we have our main love source from God, then we have real freedom, don't we? We have a real freedom. So Joseph is in jail, but Joseph is free. Joseph is in jail, but Joseph is free because he has this relationship with God that is just all-consuming. And that's awesome, isn't it? Uh, I wish I wish I could be more like that. Hey, this story just gets better. The 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 Christ character, Joseph, I mean, the parallels just continue to get ramped up. And it just is really amazing how this all, all comes together. So please, uh, you know, be back here the next few weeks to hear how this all plays out. Uh, thank you so much for the chance to share a little bit today. I'm going to uh, uh, pray, and I think we've got one more song to sing. So let's... Let's pray. God, thank you for um, your example. Um, God, I thank you for your son Jesus. that He was tempted in every way but did not sin. But I thank you that we have a high priest, that we have a savior that can relate. And that when we come to you, God, in our brokenness and times when we've failed, that you understand the temptation that we've been through. And I thank you so much for that, God. Help us to be more like uh, the Joseph character. (laughs) Help us to handle adversity in ways that are honoring to you. And help us to handle pain in ways that are honoring to you. Uh, It's in Christ's name, amen.